This is The Mudroom, on Common Sense Parenting Classes with Alana Robinson, parenting effectiveness coach and child behavior strategist. Weekly nuggets of developmentally appropriate parenting wisdom to help you parent your toddlers and preschoolers more effectively with less effort. The Mudroom is recorded live on Facebook every Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern and 6 p.m. Pacific. Now, here's Alana. Hello, hello, and may I welcome you for the first time to the mudroom. That is what we will be calling these live parenting classes from now on. And before we get into the meat and potatoes of our topic this week, I'll just kind of explain why in case anyone is new and a little bit confused. Up until now, I haven't really named these broadcasts. Mainly because I suck at naming shit. And I didn't have to. But while I was away in California, a couple members of my Facebook group, The Parenting Posse, were asking me about that they love to be able to listen to the broadcast audio only and to be able to download them and to be able to listen to them on like airplanes and trains and while they travel and commute, which is obviously that's something that's impossible with like a Facebook live stream, right? You need internet connectivity. So I did a bit of digging and I figured out that the best way to do that would be to upload the audio into a podcast, which is something that I have zero experience with because I don't listen to podcasts slash I had no idea that that was a thing. Anyways, so from now on, the audio, maybe with just like some minor editing, will be uploaded into a podcast, but podcasts need a name. (laughs) So I appealed to the parenting posse and I got tons of amazing ideas, which then overwhelmed me because I went from having no ideas on what to name it to having literally hundreds of ideas on what to name it. But I cleared off my dining room table. I wrote it all down, did, you know, pro con lists, I managed to narrow it down. And so now these broadcasts and by extension, the new podcast and my blog will be undergoing a rebrand to fall in line with this too, will be called The Mudroom, Uncommon Sense Parenting Classes. So I chose The Mudroom, which was an idea submitted by Shelly, because as Shelly put it, The Mudroom is where all of life's messes kind of accumulate. It's where you walk into your house and all your shit kind of hits you in the face. (laughs) As Shelly put it, the mudroom is like the first line of defense. It's where everything just kind of piles up. And my goal for these broadcasts is and has always been to kind of help you get your bearings and work through some of your parenting shit. And also to create a space for you to unload all of your parenting shit. So the mudroom really spoke to me for that reason. And the tagline on Common Sense Parenting Classes, Heather submitted that idea, and it just resonated with me because so many people tell me this on a daily basis, that what I teach makes total sense once I break it down for them. So while it's my wish that for everything that I teach to eventually be common sense, right now it's not. So all that to say, welcome, if it's your first time joining us you're probably being feeling a little bit overwhelmed. Don't worry, you're in the right place. If you're watching, say hi. And while you're doing that, allow me to introduce myself. 
My name is Alana Robinson, and I'm a parenting effectiveness coach and child behavior strategist, and I help parents, just like you, of infants, toddlers, and preschoolers understand why their children are misbehaving and how to fix it without yelling, shaming, or using timeouts. So tonight, we're going to continue with our very long-paused series on early childhood theorists. And if you're listening to this on the podcast recording, which will, like, I will upload back episodes of the Theorist series because we've previously covered several over many, many months. Tonight, though, we'll be chatting about Laura's Malaguzzi, who I think personally is one of the least well-known theorists who has had the most impact on current early childhood practice besides maybe Maria Montessori. So many of his ideas are being incorporated into like child early childhood settings, in preschools, daycares, playgroups, and you don't even know it. So after this little crash course, you will. I originally started this series because I could see that one of the reasons so many parents were having a hard time with the recommendations I was giving them was because they had no grasp of early childhood theory. It made total sense to me because I have multiple post-secondary pieces of paper in early childhood education. So this series is intended to be like your mini early childhood degree. So as always, let's kind of like get the dates out there on the table and out of the way to start. So he was born in Correggio, Italy in 1920. And Valentina, if you're watching this, you're going to be cringing at all my Italian mess ups. <laughs> So he was growing up right in the middle of the Second World War. In 1939, he began university at the University of Urbino in pedagogy and psychology. He later graduated from the National Research Center in Rome as well, and he passed away in Reggio Emilia in 1994. So as you can see from those dates, he was aware of Vygotsky, Montessori, Dewey, Erickson, Piaget, and everybody else. He, very much like the others, pulled ideas that he agreed with, and he left the ones that he didn't. And like Vygotsky, he was a constructivist. He believed that children construct their knowledge. It's not something that children passively absorb. So something you may have noticed there was the mention of Reggio Emilia. And today in North America, Reggio Emilia has kind of become a bit of a buzzword, kind of like Montessori. And I remember back in October when I did the episode on Montessori in this series, I had a bunch of people comment on the video and message my page about how they genuinely had no idea that Montessori was a person and what that word had even meant before listening. And I'm sure Reggio Emilia has kind of the same issue. So Laura's Malaguzzi is the theorist behind the Reggio Emilia approach in early childhood learning. Unlike Montessori, though, his approach isn't named after him because it isn't completely his doing. And there's a really neat little story that goes along with it. Hey, Janelle! Okay, so Reggio Emilia actually refers to the name of the town where this philosophy took root. And as legend has it... Five days after the Second World War ended, there was a group of women just outside of this little town, Reggio Emilia in Italy, and they decided that they wanted to build a school out of the rubble that had been left behind by the retreating Germans so that they could give the next generation a foundation 
that made them intolerant of injustice and inequality. So they sold an abandoned German tank. They sold nine horses and two abandoned military trucks. And they began to build this preschool. Pretty badass, right? So Malaguzzi, who lived in the area, he heard about them and he was fascinated. So he went on a little trip. He went to find them and he was so astounded by them that he decided to stay to help. And it was by working with these Italian mamas that he was able to help them create the curriculum for the school. And that has transformed into what we now know as Reggio Emilia. So in 1963, the municipality of Reggio Emilia began to really fund and build new schools using the approach from the original school. And Malaguzzi was the first director of those schools. So he worked in the preschool and infant toddler center network until 1985. Then when he retired, he apparently remained very heavily involved until his death. Hey, Candace. So I just love that story because it really speaks to the power of women, of mothers, and of the amazing things that we can create for us and for our children when we come together. That's why I love my Facebook group, The Parenting Posse, so much because the beautiful community that we've created has created so much good in the world for our fellow mothers much like those very tenacious women in Italy after they endured the horrors of war. So Malaguzzi's theory had three basic tenets to it, and they're what has become the foundation of the Reggio Emilia approach. And those are a positive image of the child, that children learn by being active participants, and that play is an important part of learning and early development. All stuff we're pretty much on board with around here by now, right? So what I love about Reggio Emilia and Malaguzzi is that unlike other theorists, none of Malaguzzi's work is really rigid. It's very open to interpretation and experimentation. He's quoted in a few places as having said to the original mothers that I'll learn as I go along and the children will learn it with me. And that to me kind of embodies how I see Reggio Emilia. It's not super black and white. It's very exploratory and curious and open to experimentation. So let's go through these three tenets. The first one is a positive image of the child. So Malaguzzi believed that all children have curiosity, potential, and preparedness. They have an interest in relationships. They construct their knowledge and they're prepared to negotiate with everything presented to them by their environment, which I think is pretty damn bang on. Malaguzzi saw children, much like Montessori, as active citizens in their world. He believed that they have their own rights and that they are contributing members to their families and their communities in their own right. He also really advocated for children with disabilities. He preferred the term special rights over special needs, and children with special rights are given priority for space when they're entering the infant and toddler centers. So as a parent, I think that this is so important to keep in mind, right? We tend to see our children as very disenfranchised, helpless, and random. <laughs> we tend to look at them as extensions of ourselves rather than people in their own right who can and will contribute. It's a much more 
dignified way to frame our children in our minds. And this mindset around children really helps us to move out of that desire to punish and coerce and into the more respectful way that we deal with our fellow adults, where we educate and engage in discourse. So the second is that children learn by being active participants. And again, this goes back to Piaget, Vygotsky, Montessori, Erickson, Dewey, pretty much everybody agrees <laughs> that children learn by doing. So they don't just learn by hearing about, but actually getting in and actually doing it. To that end, Reggio schools focus on projects that the children initiate. So either by a chance event or by a shared perspective or perseverative interest or because a child in the group shares a question or a problem. And these projects can last days or they can last several months. And they take a very holistic approach to teaching in that they believe that if children are curious about something, the academics of it, the math, the science, the art, the music, the language, the social studies, all of that is embedded into our everyday lives and that children will explore them when it's actually relevant to them. Again, I personally and professionally adore this perspective. <laughs> it's the perspective that I've built my entire flagship program on. Children are naturally driven to explore everything that we want them to. The executive skills, the social skills, the life skills, the academic skills, naturally, we just have to provide the opportunities and the space for them to explore those things. We have to scaffold them and guide them and support them through that learning when it comes up. From the perspective of a parent, I find that this takes a lot of pressure off of me. <laughs> the old school way of doing things puts all this pressure on us to create educational experiences and to make up all these elaborate craptivities and fabricate all these fake situations. And personally, I find that exhausting. As a mother, I honestly can't think of anything less productive or enjoyable to do with my time. By viewing my children as active participants in life who can learn from everything by being involved with it, I don't have to make up all of this crazy crap. <laughs> My kids get value from helping me make dinner. My kids get value from helping me paint my office. My kids get value from doing my laundry. My kids get value from grocery shopping. And in fact, in February, my oldest son and I did a little project. His eczema, he has quite a bit of like that round eczema that props up all over his body. So his eczema was acting up and he noticed that it was worse with some laundry soaps versus others. So we did a little project where we first tested different laundry soaps to figure out which ones cleaned best. Then we did wear tests to see which ones irritated his skin. Then we went to the store and we kind of priced them out and we figured out that from now on, we're going to be washing our clothes in personal powder. There was science, there was math, there was art, there was language, there was social studies. It was all built into that experience for him. And he took responsibility for solving a problem that he'd identified in our household, which was that the Tide Pods were making him itchy. So he was becoming a nudist. <laughs> there was a lot of talk about how, like, no, really, not only is it not socially acceptable to run around in the buff, 
or, you know, just an underwear, but we also live in Canada and there's a lot of snow on the ground for eight months of the year and clothes keep our skin safe and our bodies warm. And I didn't have to cut out any construction paper shapes or print out a single worksheet. I just had to make him an active participant in our family. So that's what I love about that perspective of children being active participants. The third is that play is a really important part of learning and development. And again, I've built my whole program around this concept. Children test out their theories and they work through their problems via play. It's a very unique state where they're the most open to new information and the most curious. They explore power dynamics through superhero and princess play. They explore family roles with household play. They explore physics and engineering with Legos and building blocks. Play gives them the tools to act out and build kind of a mock-up of our adult world where they're safe to try things and fail without repercussions. And that's why my entire program is made up of these playful activities, games, and interactions, because it gives them a safe space to try and to fail and to refine and to get better at skills that they've been struggling with. Play is the vehicle through which children construct all of their knowledge. So these instances where we give them opportunities to be active, engaged agents in a playful way are the most powerful learning tools that we have as parents. It's also why I include playful elements in my scripts for managing crazy making behavior. I've had quite a few questions on why, for instance, with the bolting script, it's not so much a script as it is a game. And this is why, because I've incorporated elements from all the theorists, including Malaguzzi, into them, which is one of the reasons that they work so beautifully. And if you'd like to get your hands on those scripts, they're 100% free. So please go ahead, grab them. They're my gift to you. Those of you who are watching on Facebook, the link is clickable in the description of this video. It's around here somewhere, depending on what device you're watching on. Those of you who are listening on the podcast recording, you can navigate to prnt.link slash scripts, and you'll be able to find them there. So what do you guys think? Do you see some areas where you can start to apply Malaguzzi and Reggio Emilia's ideas with your kids? If so, pop it in the comments. Let me know how you're kind of feeling, if you have any questions about it. Reggio is such a huge topic. I could honestly go on forever about this topic, but I tried to really condense it down to kind of the nuts and bolts so that you have kind of an idea because I know a lot of you, when you're going off, you're looking at daycares, you're looking at preschools, maybe even kindergarten programs, and they start throwing out all of this jargon. And it's really important for us to kind of know what that means. In my specific instance, where I live, I live in the province of Ontario. And Ontario often makes a big deal about the fact that they based their kindergarten program off of Reggio Emilia ideas. I found it really difficult <laughs> to talk to a lot of kindergarten teachers in Ontario because it turns out they don't actually know what that means. So it's important for us when we're kind of vetting these things for our kids that we have at least that base knowledge in the main 
like headline concepts so that we can have really intelligent conversations with people and we can really vet these things and make sure that they are what they say they are. Okay, I think that's it for me tonight, guys. Nobody has any comments. Facebook's got a little bit of a lag, so I'll give you a few seconds. If nobody's got any comments or questions or anything like that, that's it for me tonight. I will see you all again next week for another Uncommon Sense Parenting class. So have a great evening, everybody, and I will see you next week. Bye. You've been listening to The Mudroom, Uncommon Sense Parenting Classes with Alana Robinson. If you like what you just heard, remember to join us every Tuesday evening at 9 p.m. Eastern and 6 p.m. Pacific on Facebook. And don't forget to rate, subscribe, share, and connect with us on social. This has been an Alana Robinson Family Services production.